Hi, my name is Germ. This is uh, Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. And um, I'm very, very privileged, extremely privileged to be joined by the gentleman on the other side of the screen. Oh, let me just get that right. I'm, I'm, am I correct in saying gentleman, <laughs> Walt? Yeah, that's fine. Oh, yeah, that's fine. I like that. <laughs> uh, that's better than what most people call me, so I'll go with that. <laughs> uh, Walt Heyer, um, you are an inspiration to many. Those who uh, know your name will, will know your story. Those who don't know your name well, are about to hear your story. You, um, you went through gender reassignment surgery. You basically wanted to become a woman. This was, what, back in the early 80s. Uh, and, uh, and you regretted your decision. And I think this is, this is the story. Um, let's start at the start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so yeah, how did you know, we start? What, what I, yeah, well, you know, it's mine. Probably isn't many much different than most people. You know, mm. at four years of age, my grandmother was a seamstress, and she decided to make me a purple chiffon dress and dress me up as a little girl. And so, um, sure, you know. Uh, you know, this is 1944. You got to remember, this is over 75 years ago. So there was no words like gender dysphoria, transgender, trans. That was just uh, an old lady dressing up her grandchild in a dress without any understanding of what the consequences might be. I mean, I think she thought it was just fun and benign Sheet. and nothing would happen. And so I don't blame her. I'm not, mm. I'm, that's not, I'm not setting this up to blame grandma for anything, but I think it's important for us to understand that when you dress a boy in mm. girls' clothing, there can be consequences, and those consequences can be quite serious. Now, you know, if you do it just once or twice for Halloween or whatever something you're doing, probably not a big deal, but grandma did this to me for two and a half years. So, in that in that two and a half years without ever telling my parents because she kept it a secret obviously mm -hmm. she kept it a secret because she thought there might be something wrong with it or that my parents wouldn't like it sure. uh, then she would get into trouble so you have to kind of think through that part of it that that something within her told her that's need to be kept a secret but what here's this is the key thing for the the people listening today because mm. it's more than just my story when you put a boy repeatedly in a girl's dress and then affirm him and tell him how cute he looks and how wonderful he looks, keep in mind at that very same moment, you're beginning the destruction of the boy that he is. Because mm. what we should be doing, what grandma should have been doing was telling me how cute I was as a boy or how handsome I was or how you know brilliant I was or yeah. you know some, the affirmation should have been for who I was. And so the, the and I, I'll use the word that I use when I'm talking to people, the idiocy. I mean, mm. it's so ridiculous to take a boy, put him in a dress, and then begin to encourage them, affirm them, and, and in a way, indoctrinate them into thinking that they would be better off as a girl. And you know, whether people think it out loud or understand mm. it, if they're doing it, that's what the end consequences are, that you're making that person think there's something wrong with them as a boy. That's what happens. So, so two and a half years into this, 
and my my parents finally found out the secret well then my dad blew up i mean you know he's like what did you know what a grandma your it was my yeah. mother's mother and they started fighting over it and so dad's very upset but so he's trying to figure out how do i sort of get this purple dress out of my my little yeah. boy you know how do i do this so he took to becoming very rough with the discipline you know he's going to sort of man me up with a hardwood floor plank and so his discipline got very strict and harsh and i think it was almost like a blacksmith taking uh, uh iron you know and pounding on it trying to shape it into something if mm. you can use that analogy analogy and so he was trying to shape me into a man by being very very tough on me but it was hurting me i mean that, that was even causing me great emotional pain as well that he was hurting me so much but that wasn't the end of it so, sorry were you, an, were you were you a big child or a small child uh, i was small yeah i mean i'm still small you know um mm. i'm just a little guy so mm. i was always small um smaller than my older brother smaller than most of the other kids so um i was probably fair game for you know for neighborhood kids to pick on and stuff because i couldn't fight back i was too puny you know if that is that a good word puny small yeah it's a, it's a great word <laughs> okay so uh and, and so but so my dad's adopted brother who was uh, um in his teens was not um the brightest individual that that lived on the earth you know mm, he was mm. not too bright he began once he found out that i had been wearing a purple dress he began to sexually molest me because he so. thought that there was something wrong with me and so he began to sexually molest me so if we can if we can just stop for a minute and take a pause mm. and go grandma put a boy in a purple dress needlessly but began to kind of form in his mind in my mind that there was something wrong with me as a boy and I'd be better off as a girl because I started to believe that that if I was to be loved and affirmed I had to be a girl uh, and and this is what happens when you bring this in and so then my 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 dad with his discipline geez I didn't want to be the boy that was getting disciplined I would have been better off as a girl because then I wouldn't have been getting all that discipline if I was a girl so yeah. now you have these two elements then uncle fred comes in and begins to sexually molest me because i'd wore the purple dress all of these things happened because i was cross dressed by my grandmother so i did not want to be the boy who was being sexually molested by an uncle but these three things happened because of the purple dress and, and so and how old were you at this stage well by the time grandma uh, grandma was four dad was about six and a half mm. and then about seven or eight is when i was sexually must but so before i was 10 years old i had all of these things going on in a confused mind of a young boy and th keep in mind this is before 1950 this is like 1948 or 1949. gee and uh where did you grow up you, you said earlier north carolina is that right yeah i i grew up actually in los angeles oh okay near 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 Burbank and uh, it kind of in the metropolitan area the uh, we, we uh, was raised down by the train tracks near the mm. main center of LA and you're now in North Carolina now I'm in North Carolina have been for a couple of years now okay so then all right so all of this stuff was happening before age 10 and in your own mind at I mean I, I, I'm assuming you can remember somewhat 
what what was going through your mind were you did were you thinking that you were different now from other boys or did you you know was this normal was your home life normal for you yeah well when you have those three things that go on mm. <coughs> you just don't want to be who you are i mean it's like boy you know this is a little too much and i don't know what to do with it so i felt like mm. I, there was something wrong with me and that maybe i should have been a girl <coughs> sure and 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 because i had no no reference point that i was going to be better off as a boy i was getting whooped as a boy and i was getting loved on as by grandma when i was a girl so you you have that seed planted in your head that you're going to be affirmed and loved if you're a girl right and so that's what was happening sure and what kind of i'm just trying to i'm trying to contextualize things what kind of woman was was your grandmother uh, i mean if she was putting you in a dress she must have thought it was funny and cute yeah and and she uh, grandma was uh, a robust she was as wide as she was tall <laughs> and she always had and she had uh, uh, she had an apron on always with a big long cigarette lit and in the apron was a half pint of whiskey all day long so grandma liked to nip all day long so she probably in the years that I knew her, probably never drew a sober breath. I don't know, but she was uh, just a. Sure. Um, she just thought she was a fun-loving person, but she was uh, probably souped up pretty much with booze most of the time. <laughs> and then, okay, so then what happened? So you carry on with your story, if you don't mind. Yeah. So from there on, I'm I'm just like trying to deal with this, and so now I'm in my teens. It's begin. We're now in the 1950s, and I didn't know what was going on. I didn't have these terminologies we do today, transgender, transit, and all that stuff. Until a guy came out and hit the headlines, I think it was 1952, 54. Christine Jorgensen, a Marine or soldier, changes from one gender to the other. And I thought, oh, that must be what I am. So that, that message that I saw in the newspaper gave me the idea that's probably who I who I am and so I sort of latched onto that <clears throat> but keep in mind there's there was no conflicting messages about you can't change genders nobody was arguing this mm. nonsense back in the 50s it was just a story that made headlines and everybody bought into it Christine Jorgensen was a full-blown alcoholic was a very abusive heavy-handed male individual that um, cross-dressed and drank and smoked and eventually died from alcoholism. So um, Christine Jorgensen was probably not the best example of uh, what life is like as a transgender, uh, except it's classic in terms of the fact that um, life doesn't go really well just because you change genders. Yeah, and you say you say change gender, but I I suspect you're going to you're going to say that you actually can't. Um, and that's where your story well, yeah, is going. Well, yeah, I can get into let, let's yes. let's dive into that. So, so intellectually speaking, there are no transgenders. You, no one, because that word suggests that you transition from one gender to the other. Well, it, it can't happen. It it cannot happen biologically. It cannot happen scientifically. It cannot happen medically. So it doesn't happen. Mm. So it's a farce. It's fantasy. It's nonsense. Two words that are really misused are transition and transgender. There is no transition and there are no transgenders. 
there's only two species, male, female, that's it. You can't invent things. You can suggest that people mm. can identify. You know, identifying as a female does not make you one. Correct, yeah. You know, I mean, I could identify as uh, Trump today, right? That doesn't make me <laughs> Trump, right? I mean, that, that but this, you laugh, but that's yeah. what we should be laughing every time somebody says, I'm a male and I'm a female. But yeah. we don't. We it's like, what's the matter with that person? And so, what we what we know is that uh, this is gaining ground primarily because it's a political power tool, mm. and because they can fundraise money with it. They, you know, you have these groups divided. You know, you've got the left who, in our yeah. country, who just raises all kinds of money for this, and and they want to sort of nurture this group, kind of like Grandma did me. You know, they want to affirm mm. them, encourage them. They don't really care what happens to their life. Yeah. They just want them as part of the voting block. I mean, that's that's a proper amount of votes for them, and mm. they're going to encourage and nurture that. On the Republican side, you know, we're more interested in saving lives and preventing people from going through something that is totally bizarre and totally unnecessary and foolish. And what we know is that people who engage in this behavior and and go through these surgical procedures and identify in a different 18 times more likely to die from suicide sure. so you know these these are these are not just fun facts it's just what it is and that, that study mm -hmm. came out of sweden people can look it up yeah um i've been i've been helping people now for 25 years and i've been involved in this for 75 years on some level so I'm not speaking from somebody who picked up a book and looked at mm, something. And mm. No, I've, I have actually worked with hundreds of people and spoken with thousands of individuals that have come to my website, sexchangeregret.com. Mm. Well, I mean, and we're going to get to that. Uh, let's just quickly go back, if you will, to your teenage years. Uh, this is obviously yeah. a very important part now in, in every in every person's life. Uh, at this stage now, you were very confused um, may I ask, were, were you gay? Did you think you were gay? Anything like that? Well, n no, I wasn't gay. And in fact, that I'm gl so glad you brought this up. Mm. Uh, in, the, in the years that I've worked with the hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of people, 90% of the individuals that have contacted me and that I've worked with are heterosexual males that are not homosexual, never engaged in homosexuality, Jeez. never had same-sex attraction. So it's a it's an issue of identity and not of sexuality. Sure. Sure. You see, well, if we can stop and, and try to put our heads around this in an intellectual way, what grandma was doing to me was damaging my identity not, just not my sexuality. In other words, what I looked like, what I was presenting to people, what was going to get affirmed. Sexually, I was still attracted to females. And, and I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. The eight years that I lived as Laura, I didn't engage in any kind of relationships with anybody under any circumstances. I just didn't. I, I was um, absent from that because I was trying to work on my identity, not my sexuality. You know, what you're saying, Walt, is actually profound. 
um, it's not something I think I've ever considered, uh, the, the difference between identity and sexuality. Uh, so, in other words, let me just get this right. So, you you weren't confused about your sexuality. You just lost your identity in terms of your, your gender. And you thought that perhaps living as a female would have been beneficial. Let's put it in a different term. Let, mm. let's, let's take the word gender out and replace it with the word persona. What you see, that my persona. So, and that's really what the people are dealing with today. What is they, what they present, what persona do they present? Is it a male or female? That has nothing to do with sexuality. In fact, most of the uh, people who identify as a different gender and are homosexual are actually fall into the group we call drag queens. They're very flamboyant. They're mm. much more, you know, you, you look at them, their eyelashes are a foot long. I mean, everything is yeah. exaggerated. And, yes. and so that's a whole different group. And that's why we identify them as drag queens, because in, in technical terms, drag queens are really not what we would consider to be a typical transgender. Drag queen is doing it for the purpose of performance or the purpose of theater. art or theater, something yeah. of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if I've got it correct, you decided that you were going to undergo the actual transition um, at uh, you were at 30 something. Have I got it correct? Yeah. About 38 years old. Yeah. And and how did how did you how did you get to that point where you decided, all right, I'm actually going to try and change my body to become to become female? Well, you know, I didn't, again, uh, you know, at 38, I, I, I started going to a therapist, you know, one of those, they call them gender specialists. First, let me say, whatever you do, do not go to a gender specialist. Those guys are crazy. And they will only drive you down a pathway of ruin. You know, this is like the devil. Don't go there. Go to somebody who doesn't approve of changing people's body parts. Okay. Right. right. This is, they're, they're Frankenstein helpers. You know, they're making Frankenstein monsters, you know, that's all they're doing. So we forget that nonsense, you know. So I went to one of these gender specialists and told him my story, much like I'm telling you today. And he goes, oh, he said, you have gender dysphoria and what you need is hormones and, and therapy, hormone therapy and all that. I'm going, oh, my gosh, okay, and surgery. So I, I kind of went along with it. And so I, I got the hormones. I started going through this. I was married and had two children, you know. And I'm living in a nice house. I'm um, at the time um, I'm I'm an executive for American Honda Motor Company. I was one of the top brass, making big money, and but I was confused about my persona, who I was, and even though I was married, I'd been married for 17 years. So um, he told me, you know, the fix for what you're going through is hormones and surgery. So I spent some time, and finally, by the age of 42. Um, I'd had enough hormones, I had enough counseling. I said, okay, so in 1983, after divorcing my wife, leaving my kids behind, I selfishly embraced the idea that I needed to change, right? And so I went and put myself on the table and let them carve me up like a piece of sushi and, you know, change, supposedly change. They didn't change anything. You know, they all they did was alter my body. I, I I don't want to get obviously too personal, but when you say alter your body, what what do you mean? 
Well, they take your genitals off. Okay. And reshape them and to make it appear as though you're a female. Uh, right, right. And, and so they, this, is, um, this is absolutely the biggest false story in the world. Number one, you, you, keep, you actually keep your penis. They just invert it. It doesn't go away. The idea that it goes away, it's not that they keep it. You have all of the same parts. They just reverse them. It's just acting then. Yes, yes. It, it's it, you know, it's you start acting out this role. You and the mm. hormones, you know, change your appearance. They help you change your voice. So um, you know, the, whoever it was said, "All the world is a stage." Well, there's no bigger mm. stage than there is for people who go through this. And so, um, the idea that when you subject yourself to a self mutilation. What we have to understand, what I'm beginning to understand, and I'm working with people now to understand what what changing this idea of changing genders is actually self-destructive behavior. You're destroying, you're not becoming another person. You're destroying who you are. Sure. If we can get that through our heads, we're we're not changing or we're not transitioning. The only thing we're doing is totally destroying who we really are and then by virtue of destroying who we are we adopt this phony persona and say that we're a female when when that is totally false um, there's no way anybody can ever prove they're a female there, there is no objective proof that a person has ever changed not Anybody has ever actually changed from male to female or female to male. Never happened. Walt, what, what do you say then when somebody says, you know, I was born in the wrong body? Yeah. Well, okay, then I want to know why is it you don't like who you are? And I've had these conversations a hundred times. Mm. And and 100% of the time, after spending time talking to him, much like you and I are today, mm. and I'll ask him, why is it? You don't like who you are. What happened that caused you to not like who you are? 100% of the time, they can tell me what happened to them. Like I told you today, what happened to me? Mm. Uh, you know, I was put in a dress. I was physically uh, hit by my grandmother. And I was sexually abused. Now, strangely enough, a large portion of the people who identify as a different gender are heterosexual men who are married, as, as a matter of fact. Um, were sexually abused as children. So what what I found is that sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, um, and psychological abuse uh, by parents, or sometimes I find these people were in, um, maybe they were in foster care, maybe they had some neighbor that abused them. There's always a story, there's a backstory to why they want to destroy who they really are and then adopt this idea that they can become someone else, it's totally mm. delusional to think that you can change and become someone, you can't do it. And so the message here is, why are we sort of supporting the idea, we're, we're actually collaborating with the insanity when we tell them, oh yes, you can change genders. I'm not gonna do that, it, you can't. When you had, uh, uh, had come out of theater, what went through your mind? Can you remember? Yeah, I mean, the, 
Yeah, I thought, wow, this is absolutely the biggest, most destructive mistake I have ever made. And how do I repair my life? Did you think that immediately? Did you not have a sense of excitement? Oh, when when I was going through this, I, I had a sense of excitement for maybe a, a year or two, mm. maybe three. I don't know. There was a period of time where you have this euphoria. It's sort of like being... It's, I always kind of uh, liken it to the drunk who goes to the bar and he sits there and he hoists several and he's feeling really good, you know, and everything mm. is fine and wonderful. And then the next morning he wakes up and he goes, oh, my God, what did I do? Mm. You know, it's kind of like that, except this happens three years later. What do I do? And so, you know, it, and, and you're, you get drunk on power. And what did you do then when this started occurring to you? Yeah, well, then I started... Um, becoming um, much more interested in the psychological side and I started studying at UC Santa Cruz in California the psychology behind all this and I began to realize one of the first stories I read about was something some boy who became a girl and his story was about a term called separation anxiety I'd never heard of separation anxiety it didn't make any sense to me so I I read the story it was from Cornell University and the boy was very close to his mother and his mother suddenly passed away. And in this dynamic that they were talking about, this boy becoming a girl, he actually became a girl so that he could make himself feel like his mother never died. In other words, he took on his mother's identity to keep her alive. You see the psychology behind that. He actually didn't want her to die, so he became a girl himself in an effort to keep her alive. So he identified as a female. Separation anxiety, he had anxiety about her leaving, so he became a female. Good heavens. Uh, and you were Laura, Laura Jensen uh, for about eight years. That's right. And you had left your wife behind, your kids, how, how were they uh, around you? Well, my, my daughter uh, refused to ever speak to me again. You know, she was like totally devastated. I mean, the betrayal of mm. a father doing that to a child. I mean, what I did to my kids, no father should ever do to their kids. I mean, that is like so selfish, so self-centered. Uh, I am uh, most ashamed of what I did to my children, um, of anything that I've done. I, I'm, I'm every day. I. Thank God for the fact that I was redeemed and pray for my children every single day, twice a day, that they're going to be okay. But I have a good relationship with them today. But, you know, I'm, I'm, this was 1983, so I'm 35 years into this. And they see now my daughter calls me her hero. My son is a good friend. So, you know, we're, it's all good. But it took all this time for them to see that I was going to make it back. And through the power of grace of Christ, I did. Yeah, and that, that, that little bit there now is quite interesting. So a big part of your story, Walt, is Christianity. Yeah. What, tell me about yeah. that. Yeah, you know, um, it didn't come easy for me. I, I was kind of kicking and screaming. Mm. Um, and and I, I just call myself a person of faith. I believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And I come at it from that approach. And, um, you know, I'm not a big scriptural reading guy. I just have faith. I trust God is who he is. And, and so 
um, I started going back to church as Laura and, you know, trying to see if that was going to be acceptable to mm. Christ as me living as Laura. And mm. I found out during a prayer that I was uh, going through my four step from alcohol and drug recovery. I was meeting with my therapist and and we started to pray one day. And, and during that prayer, um, the Lord Jesus Christ, I could see had come, he was coming to me. He was coming down toward me. And mm. I looked up and it's like, I, my eyes were closed, but I could see him visually coming toward me. And he had his arms stretched out toward me. And I, and I was looking at where he was looking with my eyes closed again in this prayer. And he was looking at this little baby in front of me. And I looked at the baby and I said, that baby's me. He's coming for me. And I was totally aware yeah. that he was coming for me. And he picked me up picked up the baby and I knew that was me, but I knew then and he turned to me and he said, you will be safe with me forever. And the, and he disappeared and I realized when the prayer was over, that was the day the Lord came to hold me, redeem and restore me so that I could work and, and live through him to honor and glorify him for the rest of my life. And so that's what I've done and tried to bring other people to that place of redemption and restoration through Christ. This was while you were Laura. <laughs> is, that, is that right? Well, I was, uh, this was this, this was the turning point, you know, I mean, right. I was at a, a conflict. I mean, there were, during this time I was living partly as Laura and partly as Walt, you know, mm. I hadn't, I hadn't quite made the turn, you know, and, but that was it. That was the, that was the time if you want to talk about transition, that was the transition when mm. Christ grabbed me, and and I knew that He was He was bringing me to Him to redeem and restore me, so that I could live again the way He designed me to be. I'm back to being, you know, the, uh, the little boy that Grandma should have been approving. Mm. It, Grandma mm. should have been honoring, glorifying the little boy. I mean, I was a scruffy little kid who liked cowboy boots, you know. Do you like cowboy cowboy boots today? <laughs> I love cowboy boots. I love cowboy buckles. I love cow. I have a big black cowboy hat, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm still I'm still living out that little kids right in here. Let's quickly go back to the. Yo, I don't know the correct terms. You must you must forgive me. D detransitioning is that right? When you decided to go back to Walt? Yeah. We call it detransitioning. It's un unwinding uh, the mm, nonsense. Mm. How? Yeah. How though? Because now you're. If I mean, I don't understand the biology, but I'm guessing at this stage your body is pretty broken, f physiologically. Yeah. Well, there's certain things you can't repair. You know. Um, I'm sure. The, you you can you can have what they call a phalloplasty, which means they'll they do uh, the surgery that they do for the women who want to be men, and they call that a phalloplasty. So they. Uh, attach this um, instrument you know mm. the thing is it doesn't function in the way that it was intended to function it's um, uh, if I may say so it's much more of what I call a Christmas tree ornament than it is something that functions so it's you know it's it's there for decoration uh, to make you feel like something is okay but it's not so um, so you, you don't you don't fully get repaired body wise, but there is a way to be fully repaired and restored in your life through Christ. So I'm there. I mean, I'm a healthy guy. I mean, 80 years old. I'm out lifting blocks. I can 
you know, pour concrete. I, you know, I go out and hike and walk and do things. I'm active. And mm. so um, that's the spirit that the Holy Spirit that lives in me that gives me this drive to help people. I mean, I have helped. I Hundreds have planned their way back mm. because they, they listen to my story and they go, you know, I didn't know that you could detransition. I thought I was right. stuck. I want people to know you're not stuck. I want people to know they didn't even change you. Right. You know, right. you know, when I was sitting across from a guy, he says, what do I do to detransition? And I'm in a Starbucks coffee shop and I said, you see the, the clothing store over there? Go get some men's clothes and that's all you need to do and get a haircut and take the makeup off. You're on your way, baby. I, I, yeah, so I, I, I want to summarize just a little bit of what you've been saying. So it's it's mostly almost entirely it's an identity problem it's not a sexual problem um and it and it often is related to your upbringing yeah i i want to say that there there are a group of people like we mentioned that are that will be homosexual mm. and so they have a combination of issues where they're homosexual mm. and have the transgender identity issue yes. but i can tell you that in the group of people that I work with, 90% of them are heterosexual men. Many mm. of them are dealing with things that uh, we can go into it another time if you want to get on mm. a thing like autogynephilia, transvestic fetish disorders. Sure. Uh, but most of these things happened during childhood. I have not found something that didn't happen during childhood. Yeah. Uh, I've got one or two questions from, from, our, from our audience, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. So yes, one that's someone wants to know: Did you did you find that people treated you differently once they found out that you were transgender? Um, you know, um, no, I I didn't run into all this um, hype that people talk about. Um, mm. uh, the only people who treated me um, real different were were some of my close friends who who just couldn't get get their head around what happened. But I would right. say uh, most of my close friends accepted me they didn't understand it but they weren't um they didn't abuse me they weren't difficult to me the only thing that i found was i couldn't get employment i had a very hard time getting a job mm. uh, so that that part was there but for the most part i didn't experience uh, i i looked very passable and so um uh, that, i think that made a big difference do you know any or do you know of any um, people like yourself, men and women, who are happy uh, with with uh, attempting to change their their gender. Uh, I I do. You know, there are there are people who, but uh, they're happy. But uh, I've had them contact me three or four years later and say they're no longer happy. I've had mm. people as thirty thirty years after the quote transition wish they hadn't done it and want help to detransition. So they lived that way for 30 years. Most of the people experience regret somewhere between eight and 20 years. That's Gee. where your biggest regret factor is. And I mean, I think, and, and that's also an interesting thing because that regret, I mean, have you, have you ever been able to, to get that, get rid of that regret? Well, I, I, I've, I've been able to find out how to deal with the regret, mm. but you know, um, 
that and and you know part of that is being able to help and work with other people and see their lives come back around and um and that's the exciting part i mean yeah i'm not going to sit at my house and and be, say that i'm a victim i'm not yeah. you know i i'm 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 out there working and and helping people you know i've got seven books i've got a website i work with people every mm. single day um you know i'm on some kind of radio or tv i've done 15 documentary films yeah um and so um you know i'm out there producing things and so that's pretty exciting well if if i may ask are there warning signs that parents can look out for um in the beginning and when when your little boy or your little girl starts acting in a way that that you yourself Walt might go oh hang on there's something I need to keep an eye on here how do you deal with that situation yeah. in, in a nutshell yeah the, the, there's warning signs watch the computer because many of the kids get on and they do these there a lot of gaming today and many of these games um, have pornography in them and some of the pornography in those games is transgender oriented and they get hooked on it and they begin to believe they can do it. So what it isn't so much the grandma like I had. Mm. Today it's the computer is the grandma for these kids, teaching them that they can change genders. So um, if a kid begins to say that they're, they want to change genders or they see a change in the behavior, the parents really need to sit down and say, where did you get the idea that you can become someone else? Where did this come from? Did you get it on the internet? Did you find out from a friend? How did you did you find out at school? Um, you know, mm. so there's there's somebody teaching them this absolutely foolish nonsense that they can become someone else when they cannot do it. It's a lie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're you're quite you're quite blunt about it. I mean, you said it's it's a mental illness and it's idiotic, and you yourself can speak from experience. Yeah, I, I think there are some people that don't have a mental illness. I think some mm. people are doing it just because they are uh, social activists who want things to change. And so they do it really just to sort of push back on society. Mm. And so they're doing it more from an activist standpoint, not so much from a mental illness standpoint. But I think the heterosexual group of people that I work with, most of them are suffering from things like bipolar disorder, dissociative disorder, schizophrenia, dissociative, all these other disorders. Body dysmorphia is a big one. They're, they've been emotionally or psychologically or sexually abused and they're broken. And then they're told that they need to have hormone therapy and rearrange their body parts to help them. And the reason why my work is so successful and I have so many contact mm. me is because the people who are help, uh, changing their genders are failing to help them. Uh, if, you know, if, I, if they were doing a good job at helping people, you wouldn't see me because yeah, there would a, be nobody regretting it. I mean, the fact that, just the fact that I'm here is proof that the whole transition transgender stuff is a total fraud. How do, but I mean, Walt, I mean, I, I'm... I'm it's, I was telling you before we went live that, I mean, someone like me, right, who, who has never, thankfully, been through your experience, it's difficult for me to speak because I get called names, a bigot, all sorts of things. It, yeah. it's a, it seems like it's a very difficult battle to fight. Uh, 
how 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 do you even begin to fight it well you know i don't bother fighting it because the people contact me and the people mm. contacting me and saying they're contacting me because they regret it mm. so you know these are the people that i'm working with i mean i don't have to convince anybody right. that there's regret i've had up to 355,000 people contact my website in one year good heavens and if there were no regret no one would be contacting me Gee, that's a big number hey so i mean what your president right now joe biden is doing with uh, with the navy seals i mean i'm i'm guessing you don't approve of that no <laughs> No, you know, they're, they're men, for gosh mm. sakes. You know, we're supposed to have a lean, mean fighting machine, and you don't put a lean, mean fighting machine in high heel shoes and, and a dress and say, go fight a war. I mean, because it's going to demoralize the rest of the soldiers that are there. I mean, the military is full of testosterone, not estrogen. And that estrogen is not going to work well with the testosterone folks, I guarantee you. How do you, how do you then, how do you respond to somebody? Can, can I, can I read you just maybe the opening paragraph of an email that I received today, today, Sure. after I told people that you were coming on my show? And, and sure. this is the kind of email that, that I'm sure you get a lot. Uh, but mm -hmm. someone said here, um, where is it now? Uh, Uh, I don't have it in front of me. All right. So the the email the email basically was saying that I'm only I'm only listening to one side of the story and that I'm I'm disregarding um, that person's lived experience, that person's truth. Um, you know, you might have your truth and your story, Walt, but theirs is different. Um, and and I'm I'm in no position to say that there are only two genders and he must be a man. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, most of the men who are doing this that are adult men have a condition called autogynephilia. And I'll explain what that is. They dress up in women's clothing and they look at themselves in the mirror. And what they see in the mirror is the object of their own affection. They become sexually aroused by seeing themselves in women's clothing. It's a sexual fetish disorder. Sure. And so a vast majority of adult heterosexual men are suffering from what we call autogynephilia. That will be uh, in large part what will you'll see uh, people entering the military. Some of them will have a sexual fetish disorder where they become sexually aroused by a piece of women's clothing, underwear, stockings, whatever, whatever it is that, that brings that about. These are serious mental disorders. And the, the fact is people want everyone to ignore that they have them. I'm sorry, I can't do it. The fact of the matter is mm. I'm working almost every day with somebody who's suffering from one of these disorders because no one else will talk about it, but I will. Do you, do you get disappointed uh, when you see all these stories in the media of, of uh, celebrities and people saying that they're not, going to, they're, they're not going to misgender their child, they're going to let the child decide uh, what they are, if they're a boy or a girl, um, you know, that kind of thing. It, it, it upsets me, and I'm pretty certain it upsets you. Well, the, the only people, the only people who are misgendering anybody are the advocates telling somebody you can change your gender. So that's when they get misgendered. 
Mm. I haven't ever misgendered anybody. Right. You know, if if there's a guy in a dress, he's a man. In a dress. And <coughs> these are men in dresses. They're not transgender. They haven't transitioned. They've mm. taken hormones and they've cut off body body parts. They've done something cosmetically. Unfortunately, they can't prove biologically, scientifically, or medically that they ever change genders. That's a total, absolute impossibility. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I agree with you, but but it's 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 wonderful hearing it coming from from you. Um, and I know that in that documentary, I want my sex back, which. Um, I do hope that those watching or listening now will go and watch it's on youtube it's been watched something like 13 million times it's really great uh it's you and a few others being interviewed and um and you all say the same thing that you all realize that it's it's up here it's not about sexuality and and in many cases um it's it's well as you say it's to do with your identity uh and it's about trying to find yourself and a lot of that has to do with um society and i'm i'm leading on to a question quickly i know we're we're gonna we're gonna wrap up soon but uh there there was a question that somebody was asking do you think that the internet or social media has had a very bad or negative effect on all of this in modern times oh they've they've stimulated an interest in this and and they've propagated a group of people who otherwise never would be doing this because Mm. transgenders are not born they're made out of social trauma uh, they're made out of something that happened to them, and they find, well, this is probably better for me than what happened to me before, so I'll try this. Mm. And so they try it for a while, then they realize, you know, transgenders are, quote, transgenders until they're no longer a transgender, and they regret it and go back to who they really are. Mm. So, I mean, uh, would you say that that tra- uh, transgenderism is a social construct? Uh, transgenderism is a made-up idea mm. that people change and go into society trying to make people believe they've changed. So, it, you know, it's it, transgenderism is a construct of, of something that happens, something where you mm. you're, haven't dealt properly with some emotional, psychological, or sexual issue that happened to you, and it manifests itself in you identifying by someone who you can never ever become sure well listen walt i know that you have to go um it's a fascinating conversation uh so many different kinds of questions <laughs> that one can ask but i i think that the overarching comment from you is is pretty is pretty um is pretty uh blatant is that you cannot be somebody else you can only be yourself and yourself is what you're born with. You can identify as someone else. You mm-hmm. just can't be someone else. You can look at my book, Trans Life Survivors, yeah. and my other book, Paper Genders. Those two books, get those two books. Mm. People really understand it. Yeah, I'm definitely, I mean, I haven't had enough time to, to read them. I'm definitely going to buy uh, the the. Uh, the second one that you mentioned, paper genders, I think you said, that that one looks very interesting. Let me just quickly uh, use this opportunity to plug where people can find you. So sex regrets, sorry, sexchangeregrets.com. Yep. It's a great yeah. website. I've, I've been on it a couple of times. Um, and of course, your own website is, is more about your 
your your sort of Christian ministry, right. uh, which I've been on as well. And it's got a great series of videos that I watched with you and a pastor. Yes, yes, Jeff Farrar. And uh, that's, a, that's great. I mean, it really shows you how a pastor can minister to somebody and mm-hmm. bring them through this process in a, in a way where um, they can bring them back to wholeness. And um, and where, if, if somebody wants to contact you, they can just do it via your website. Yeah, absolutely. Walt, it's been an absolute pleasure. May I, may I once again say that you are a true gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, so are you. I've had a pleasure doing this. And so um, you take care. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to send me an email. Thank you, uh, Walt. It's been, it's been great. Um, my name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas.